although it feels like just yesterday the summer was just beginning here we are now officially two months later in september and the transfer window is over Fabrizio Romano is going to go into hibernation for a couple of months and we're going to dissect everything guys on episode number 209 of the jersey wall podcast today we are going to talk about who won the transfer window we hope you enjoy But Nathan, last week you said that you were going to have to do the prediction <laughs> for the... I know what I said. Then we I changed it up answer. on you. We had to switch. Just when they think they got all the answers, I changed the question. Guys, welcome to episode number 209 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Nathan Santos, a.k.a. Master Chef Nan. I'm going to bring that back because I posted on that account for the first time in a long time. With me, brethren, is back in the co-hosting chair. We will never have the three of us again. Joe's like, it's a long weekend, bro. I'm not coming into work today. <laughs> I forgive him. Bro's on a beach somewhere mourning the loss of Chelsea Football Club because as much as they spend, they can't buy success and they're figuring that out. Brethren, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like um, pumpkin spice season has come too early this year. Is it yeah. just me? Because I feel like- it dropped in August. I was like, what pumpkin? Bro, I, I still see green on the trees. If trees you know are not happened. colorful, don't put pumpkin spice up. You know what happened? They dropped it early because the last week of August, where we live, absolutely sucked. It was cold. It was like, it, it wasn't wonderful. Then this week, it's super this hot. This week is so, so hot. It's like 37 it. they, they degrees jumped the outside. Gun. Yeah, they jumped the gun. They're like, oh, you know what? You know what we're going to do? Let's get ahead of it because it's already getting cold. We can extend the PSL season. And they were wrong because now no one's going to get that. Why are you going to get a hot drink when it's 37 degrees outside? But it is what it is. Guys, on today's episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about who won the transfer window. And I'm going to put that into context in a second. I know I said we were going to do predicting everything. We are That's a statement. We'll get you never that. have to worry about us. Yeah. We Apparently, the international break's coming up, which means that we have time to do a season-long prediction. For now, I thought to myself, in terms of things being topical, the window ended two days ago. This is the time to do who won the transfer window because this really started earlier than i thought transfer window used to be july and august now it's like may through august because apparently the windows just open whenever they want people will sign the players and register them on (laughs) july 1st so there's some deals we've been talking about here for like basically four months but through my research i went back and looked who got their business done early how much did people spend were people able to profit and still make their side better did net spend really matter for certain clubs? How much quality did they bring in? And with the players that they brought in, how is that going to help them with whatever their objectives are? I took all of this into consideration and I found the 10 teams, all of whom I think have a claim for having won the transfer window. I'm going to start with the honorable mentions because I think they did some good business, but I don't think they can justifiably say they won the transfer window. Then we're going to go through eight to one in typical TJW fashion. You ready, dude? Remember, this is not I'm ranking. So Unless we ready. put in order. Oh, it never no, is. rank things. Bro, the seasons ranking, may change. This is not the show for you. No, the consistency doesn't. TJW does not rank things. We just put things in order. And so I want to, some of this, I'm going to bring some names to you. Anyway, yeah. let's start. The honorable mentions, you can put 10, 9, 9, 10. It doesn't really matter. I think both of them have a claim for it. Uh, I'm going to start with Aston Villa. Okay. Okay. Aston Villa had a meritable window. Yeah. And I can't I can't fault them for anything. Their net, sorry, not their net spend. The the total amount that they spent gross was uh 93 million approximately euros. Okay. Mm. Now for oh, that, God. they brought in Langley, right, on a loan on deadline day as a as a defender. 
They brought in uh, Zaniola, who, of course, had his whole spell in the Serie A, and then he went to Galatasaray, but that was a weird deal. It looks like this will probably be made permanent just because it'll add to Villa's yeah. books when they're able to do this. But for now, it was a loan that cost five mil. They brought in Musa Diaby, which shook up the market. We knew that that was a big deal when that happened, sure. right? They brought in uh, Pau Torres for 33 mil and Yuri Tillemans for free, who, of course, has his criticism but has Prem experience. Okay, so for all those players, substantial jump in quality, 93 mil. Now, on the other end, they were able, through the sales of most notably Cameron Archer, Aaron Ramsey, not the one you're thinking of, a new Aaron Ramsey, and a few other players, they were basically able to raise about $42 million, and that's pending the sale of Coutinho as well. So that's not including what Coutinho has just right now. Remember, Coutinho will likely be sold for some money as well. Their net spend's only about $50 mil, which pretty much pays for Diaby. Now, would you not agree with me in saying that Aston Villa are a team that could make some serious waves in the league this year? Absolutely. I think they had a really good window, to be honest. Like, Leon Bailey and, and Musa Diaby on the wings is it's pretty dangerous. Right. Like, when we just look at incrementally, they have gotten yeah. better, right? So, but I'm looking at this window in isolation. I'm not even trying to look at, you know, they've added this to what was already there. Just in terms of isolation, they brought in an exciting prospect who's one of the best in the Bundesliga in, in Musa Diaby. Yuri Tillemans, who has Prem experience. Paul Torres, who knows the system of Unai Emery. And then Zaniolo, who I'm sure, if nothing else, for five window. mil, even if he doesn't play, is a good signing for them. Okay, five yeah, mil yeah, yeah. for for Zaniolo. We can't we can't sleep on what that actually means because if we remember him in his time in the Serie A, bro could play. Okay, then he had the fallout with Roma, and he was like, "Okay, I got to get out of here, go to Galatasaray, whatever else." The fact is, we understand all of us collectively. Villa's project is looking really good, and Unai Emery's point total since he took over is second, I think, only to. City or Arsenal or something like that is very, very, very high up. The team has gotten better. They were able to fundraise half of their transfers with player who largely will not have a significant impact on their team or be a real notable absence for them. And so you look 50 million spent and now they could be a side pushing for top six. Dude, yeah, I think I think they're business. there. I think they're competing with with the likes of Brighton and and whoever is not going to make it from the from the big six sides. Like you look at right. Teams, teams that are having like a tough time are probably going to have a tough time like Spurs, for example, or yeah. um, like Newcastle because of the Champions League or United are probably going to be in that mix, right? Like you, you're going to have some, or Chelsea even, you're going to have some mm -hmm. teams that, that are going to be in that battle and, and it just depends on like on how they get there. And I think they're going to be, uh, Villa don't have European football, right? I don't think so. So if, if they don't, which I don't think they do, if they don't, they have then Conference League? Conference League or something, league. yeah. They might. Um, but I think they should be able to handle it. Like even European even if they do football, yeah, we put that even in if they do have conference league, I, I think they should be fine with, with it. To be honest, like I, I trust Unai Emery to he's a good cup um, manager, and if they even crash out, even better. And that's kind of exactly it. Whether or not they're going to shift their focus to try to finish as high as possible in the prem, or and we put in brackets kind of sarcastically. European trophy because we on this side of the world don't much care for the conference league. I appreciate what it does, right? It gives that the feeling of European competition to teams that don't, you know, really would never have that opportunity otherwise. But realistically, if we look at it for what West Ham did last year, which is win a European cup, I'm sure if Villa's ambition this year is let's go win that, bro, 50 million spent and they won a European cup. I can't really fault that. 
You know what I mean? I say whether even if they finish seventh or eighth in the prem, they, Mr. They Europa really League himself is going to be able to wrap that thing up, like just just by being him. You know exactly, bro. He's got the pedigree to win competitions like this. He's won better ones with less. So I think no matter what, Villa are in a pretty good position, and this kind of makes me wish that I'd put them one higher. But whatever, it doesn't really matter. The other honorable mention who doesn't quite crack the list of teams who I think are legitimately in the conversation for having best window might surprise you a little bit. I'm actually going to put Nottingham Forest in here. Yeah, Forest, they wrapped up some pretty good deals at the end of the, at the, end of the window of, here. It's exactly what I was thinking, man. Like they had just a few sneaky deals that I looked at and went, that's a good move. <laughs> like, yeah. Yo, if I'm just looking at this in isolation for this window, right? I know they spent a lot since they came up last year and they were almost relegated and fine, whatever. Bro, they brought in, at one point, we thought, okay, this is not going to go well for them if their top, you know, signature is, is Anthony Alanga. But then, who do they go get? Montiel on loan, who's a World Cup winner, okay? Andre Santos yep. from Chelsea, who's one of their most exciting prospects. I know they have a million of them, but whatever, right? Uh, Nico Dominguez, who's Serie A proven in terms of pedigree. They went and got Vlahodimos, who was Benfica's number one keeper. That's a Champions League experience goalkeeper <laughs> to challenge Turner, who they also brought in from Arsenal. Then they brought in Ibrahim Sangare, who's an absolute monster in the Dutch league in midfield. And all of a sudden, and then one more center back who they brought in from uh, from Norwich. By the way, Elanga got them the winner against Chelsea. Like, he did. that even worked out. <laughs> even Literally. that move worked out. And honestly, all of those entrances for them, right? The, the entries, the new players coming in, I get they have a lot of players there already that a lot of players leave not a whole bunch of them you know were able to yeah, figure out the way that they wanted them to when you talk about adding quality to make sure you're a staple side in the premier league they've done that now notable departure this is what villa didn't have they lost brennan johnson who is arguably their best player certainly their most touted prospect the one with the most resale value they sold him to spurs for 53 mil but i look at that as a positive you know why because it means their net spend was 50 million less than it could have been. Mm. And I think that's important when you look at the rest of the team around them. Are they going to struggle for goals? Maybe, maybe, right? Teams at that end of the cha- of the league usually do. But then you look at some of the names, you go, well, I don't know, bro. They got they don't need to have crazy goal scores. They don't need like an Ivan Tony or somebody to go get them 20 plus goals. If the team is able to contribute to enough goals throughout, I think they'll be fine because bro, the, st- the spine of their team, is significantly better. Their midfield is significantly better. I think yeah. they can win games there. Plus, remember, they only care about getting 40 points, right? Like, and, exactly. I, and I think this squad is big enough to be able to handle that. It's That's a great point. You don't have to be really good. You just have to be better than three teams, and that's it, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to outrun the bear. You have to outrun the guy next to you. That's exactly right, dude. They do not have to be a... We, we'll tout them as a mid-table club if we want to. It's say, yo, Steve Cooper's got the quality now, more so than yeah. he did last season. One more year of of uh, pedigree we know what they were able to do at the back end of last season and say yo we're here we're gonna fight i know in our predictions i think you had them going down right i did but, but they had, this is before, before they did business all the was exactly that's why we update our predictions next week with so the our, next week exactly you know predicting everything across all the leagues because bro quite simply the information is is new and yeah. as the information changes so too does my opinion it's very possible exactly that now that. Forest have secured enough quality to be better than three. No, it's not even really three teams. It's two teams because Luton are going to finish 20th. And we yeah, know. Exactly. Right? 
the one prediction I made in that episode, I said Luton don't get more than 16 points. I promise you that will not change throughout the season. They will not get more than 16 points, I guarantee, which means it will be easier collectively for the other teams around them to pick exactly. up more. You just, yeah, so you they, basically just have to be better than two other teams. Be better That's than two so other true. teams and you will have succeeded. They don't have to be challenging. They don't have to go try to do what Villa did and climb their way up and go get a really good manager and then be in the conversation for European places. You're not there yet, even if that's your objective. Pause. You'll get there. For now, you spent right. basically 70 mil. That was your net spend. And you're going to be better than three teams. I think that inevitably will keep them up. That's enough, bro. That's enough. That's a win. That's an absolute win for them. I do agree. Looking at their squad, it's probably... I, I can't look at three other teams from, I don't know, Sheffield United, Wolves, um, just teams that are going to be down there and say that that some other teams have a better squad than, than Forrest do, because I do think that... Mm. Not only do they have a big squad, but they sign some quality players, just as you said there. So, not too bad. I, I not would, I would favor shabby. them to stay up now. I think I have to update that table a little bit, but we'll get to that yeah, next week. Next week, we'll we'll just keep saying it's going to be next week's episode until eventually that until week it, comes. Yeah, because exactly. we're not calling it TJW uh, two ten. We're just going to say next week's episode. So that's the that's the title <laughs> of it. Eventually, we will just we'll, we'll do it. Um, as we move on to the actual eight and it seems weird to have like a top eight but i think it's as of here that you can make claims some will certainly be better than others but legitimate claims that any of these clubs might have had the best transfer window and they could have won the window what will ultimately decide this i think largely is how they age right let's see what mm. happens throughout the season with them because for some their objective is not you know to, to be champions for others they might be closer to things they weren't expected to be there for. And is that worth more than a team who spent a fortune? That's for you to decide, you the people, and Mina, to criticize me and my lister. I, I represent the people here. You do represent the people. This is the people's podcast, and you're the this people's public co-host. This is exactly right. Are you ready? Number eight, Roma. Ooh. I think Roma has a legitimate claim here. Let, let's go through it. Okay, because I was surprised Put when I did Roman the research Roma. for this. We, <laughs> we at one point looked at this, and went, they got a lot of good business done very early on, right? With some free transfers. Yeah. Okay. What you may not know is Roma fundraised 66 million in departures. Ooh. Do you know what they spent? 32. 10 mil. Ah, oh, no way. So their net spend is a profit of 56 million. And here's That's what they brought in. That's a good player in the that you could sign there. They brought in Lukaku on loan for 5.8 million approximately yeah. now we'll talk about this in a second so just pause we're going to come back to this okay Renato Sanchez on loan Leandro Paredes for 4 million Diego Lorente on loan Evan Indica for free and Hussein Mawar for free what that's net spend here bro or sorry gross spend was 10 mil for, for these players basically all right now who did they who did they depart Matic Jose Mourinho will no longer yeah. be playing with Nemanja Matic. That's two million. Roger Ibanez moved to Saudi Arabia for thirty mil. Then they had some other players move for collectively about ten million names that you wouldn't necessarily know. And then Cloyvert moved to Bournemouth for another ten. That's true. Other Syria names that again my, the listeners on here won't know. Hell, I looked at them and I was like, this is actually kind of surprising to me. Throughout all of those, sixty-six point three approximately million euros in sales. 10 million spent in arrivals, meaning Roma added a lot of quality and youth to their side while profiting 56 million euros. That's good business. And that, that is... alone, I think, is a claim to say that they might have won because 
It's a great no matter scouting. what else happens here, they profited and added quality who was younger than who they had in the positions. That's upgrades for profit. You have a stake there. Jose Mourinho knows what he's doing, bro. He does. He absolutely does. That's the one thing you can definitely count on. Um, that is definitely good business to upgrade those positions in in just youth and experience and well, not youth and experience, but youth and also just it is ability youth on the and ball. Experience though, you're yeah. right because they didn't bring in teenage prospects. It's like just younger players. Younger who have players, four or five that, yeah, years seniority under their belt. You know what I mean? And that's plenty. And it's players that can at... last ninety minutes week in week out. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Matic was not lasting them 90 minutes week in week. No, he was having a real tough time, but the legs on him were going for a long time. Now, we can talk about Renato Sanchez because all, we all know how big of an admirer I'm, I am of him. Paredes, same thing, like less so, but definitely mm-hmm. adding quality to the side. Hussein Mawar coming for free. We talked about that what, three months ago on the pod. Evan Indica, who I said, Tottenham, go get this guy. They didn't. Roma went, we'll go get him for free. That's a big, big deal. Now, the most polarizing of these arrivals is definitely Lukaku. And I feel like it merits a pros and cons, right? Because Lukaku certainly has criticisms around him, right? You know, super arrogant, uh, not what he thinks he is, not what he once was. You know, the fact that he's willing to tear up any fan base, the cancer in the locker room, the cancer for the fans. There's a lot of things that people criticize him for. The flip side of that is we've seen a lot of good things from Lukaku in his career too, but perhaps they're overshadowed by how big a splash he made in the negative pools, right? Yeah. So the fact that he basically set Chelsea ablaze, that's a, realistically, you screw over a club, there's lots of players who screw over clubs, but Chelsea, were, that was so vile that it tainted the, the reputation. The fact that he then went to Inter and we were like, okay, he's not playing that much, but he really wasn't bothering anybody over there. Then he left Inter to go, yo, you know what? I might go to Juve. Then they all hated him. Now he's found his way to the capital. Who has Jose Mourinho signed? a big striker with a lot of experience and his, I would say arguably the best Lukaku we've ever seen was playing in the Serie A. Does Jose Mourinho get a guy like this if he doesn't know what he's doing? No, I think, I think Mourinho knows what that he can get out of him exactly what he wants, right? Like you think this is run it back to the United days. Not that that went super well, but for the reasons that made Lukaku shine in, in Italy, right? Right. Like he, he loves the the kind of slower pace that's going on in Italy. He can he can take a touch. He can move, and it, we all know that it, it's like an oil tanker trying to turn in the Suez Canal. <laughs> it takes a long ass time for him to move and and get on the turn and get into the box. Yeah. But I think um, Mourinho knows exactly what he's doing there. I still don't know how this is going to go. Well, here's here's the thing. Roma have a bit of a need for a big striker because Tammy Abraham never fit. You know, Paolo Dybala, when he came in, likes to play off of a a striker or if somebody prolific, so we can kind of get the best out of him. I think Mourinho's best case scenario here is this is a player who doesn't have to play 90 minutes every single game, but can help with my striker need. Because whether it's Tammy, whether it's Rom, I need somebody who can score goals in this area. I've seen him do that. If I put my faith in him and I'm only going to spend sub six mil to get him for a season, I don't know what Roma's ceiling in this season. They haven't started the season great. I'm not going to suggest to you that they're going to be champions by any stretch. But we can't deny that's good business. Even if Lukaku goes and gets 10, 15 goals in this area, that's a hell of a return. I was going to ask you, what makes this move a success? Because I think the good thing is that it's a different option than what Tammy Abraham does, right? Like it gives yeah. it gives Roma a different flavor of football that they can play if it's right. not working with Tammy Abraham. But what what makes this move a success? Is it 10, 15 goals? Is he looking for a 20-goal striker? 
oh like what constituted as a success yeah. well that's a great question i would imagine the answer will change depending on who you ask i would imagine that for lukaku it'll be it's a success if i score you know 15 plus goals i'd imagine Mourinho will want something similar but i think Mourinho will be like i want to see a positive attitude from him if you ask the the footballing community what makes this a good move what if it's a reset for lukaku right if he's able to just reset his mind and kind of drop the the smugness the arrogance and be like okay i'm just a player who plays in a system and maybe i can do some good things then maybe chelsea get a really good striker back next season i know that bridge is burned don't get me wrong but depending on who you ask the marker for success will be different when we talk about expectations for lukaku though i think it's reasonable to expect for him i think Mourinho would have signed him hoping that he can get 10 serial goals minimum and not to mention have an impact on the team if not for a good guy in the locker room leading the charge a menace who's going to be the leader of the menacing Mourinho bunch in Rome, going out to be nasty guys, yeah. showing the young people who they signed, be nasty on the pitch, be heels. People don't have to like you. We have to win games one nothing. This is the nuclear Mourinho football. I mean, if there's one go thing that the Mourinho can do is implement a siege mentality, but mm. honestly, I I have no doubts that Lukaku is going to put everything on the line for Mourinho because I think he just yeah. has that love for him. If I'm in the and locker room, took I'm not really on. listening to Lukaku because I'm like, in one <laughs> turn, in one turn of events, you can burn all the bridges and, and just leave. Right. Not caring about that's any fair. single one of us. Like, you're not yeah. playing for the shirt. You're playing because we're the only club and that's the only manager that kind of wanted to take a chance on you. I yeah. don't really, I, I wouldn't really be vibing with Lukaku that much. I think he just speaks too much, in my opinion. I, I think there's a sense of optimism that has to go into this. And if we're not willing to give it the optimism, that's fine. That's why I have it eighth. Right. Like yeah. if we're optimistic in the sense of being a huge success, this will age very well. What if Lukaku finds his form again and he and him and Dybala end up cooking, cooking, and then they end up having 20 plus goals and Roma are second in the Serie A and they're crushing everybody. Then people will be like, oh, my God, look at what look at what Roma did. Look at the business they did. If it doesn't work out that way, then guess what? They still profited 56 million and added youth and quality to their side. That's still a win. Right. So I think it's it's a bit of a win win for, for Roma. Good move to make for five and, million long. That's exactly it. Right? We have no obligation to keep him and, and watch him burn the bridge so that he can go no. and run somewhere else. Exactly. And on the note of Lukaku, I think it's only appropriate that we put his club in at number seven. Chelsea, for me, find themselves at number seven on this list, which might seem high. It might seem low, to be honest. I think, again, it'll depend on who you ask. I think there's pros and cons to what they've done. They signed a lot of players. Ever. A lot of pl- I'm yeah. gonna tell you some names of who they spent 15 plus mil, and you're gonna be like, who? And and not to mention, what's the plan now for them? Yep. And there's not an answer to that question. That's kind of part of the problem, which is on the one hand, Chelsea went out and got lots and lots of and lots of business done. They signed young kids, prospects, exciting talent, like any everybody under the age of 25 from every continent in the world. If they could play, Chelsea found them and they signed them. So they have quantity. Do they have quality? Yeah. They're good, man. These are good young players. What's the problem? What is Chelsea right now? Yep. What is Chelsea? Genuinely, like we, we talked about this. We kind of go back and forth with it. We're trying to find what the identity of this club means. And Pochettino is going to help develop it. These kids are going to grow into it because they're all 20-something years old. And when I say something, I mean sub-23, most of them, right? Like, mm-hmm. that, that's who they've signed. 
Let's go through who Chelsea signed and for how much. Palmer, 45 mil. Petrovic, 16 mil. David D'Souza, 16 mil. Romeo Lavia, 65 mil. Caicedo, north of 120. Again, this is in Euros. Robert Sanchez, 23 mil. Axel Desasi, 45. Ugo Chukwu, I'm just going to start going last names now. 27. Gabriel, 15. Then some guy from Everton for four and a half. Diego Moreira for free. Benfica prospect. Nicholas Jackson, 37. And Christopher Nkunku, 66. Their net. I keep saying net and it's pissing me off. Their total spend in gross Hit me. this summer was 488.5 euros. Ah! Oh my God. Damn near That's... half a billion pounds in one summer. In one... And, and you look at it and you go, how much better are they than they were last season? I don't know. They're, they're probably better. There's, there's things to like about how there's only way. Now. There's only one way to move up. Right. You, you certainly can't get season, worse. So they certainly can't be worse. But realistically, if I go through the names that I've just told you and we say, okay, well, which ones are going to start and going to have an immediate impact on this team versus which ones are at best aspirations for future success that they spent eight figures on. We're going, bro, they spent probably 200 million on players they didn't need. And that merits criticism. Even if Boley has all the money in the world and they want to spend it, that doesn't mean he has no right to criticism. Oh, yeah, well, they just bought him because whatever. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You don't spend half a billion euros in one window and then just go off and say, yeah, but we just kind of bought them for the future and we'll see how it plays out. I do not accept that. TJW has standards and we hold you accountable to those standards. Now, the flip side of this, they were able to raise 296 million euros in player sales. Mm-hmm. It's great, right? You look at, I won't go through all the names. Not a small largely, amount of money. No, including Lewis Hall's departure, right? Who was way more than I think any of us expected him to go for. Plus, of course, the Pulisic mounts for 60-odd million. Uh, Havertz for 70-odd million. Mendy, Kovacic, Koulibaly, two of those going to Saudi Arabia as well. They were able to raise almost 300 million in sales. Last season, we remember, because this is not the first window that Bully's been in charge. It's pretty much been like this every window since he's come in. Chelsea's biggest issue, as much as anything else, was the squad was gigantic. There's no plan for all these players because there's so many things. So they were able to fundraise quite a bit of money. Their net spend is about 192 million ish. That's how much they spent, you know, compared to what they made back. I have some reservations with that because you spent 200 mil on your squad. And how much better are they? Long-term, Chelsea will be very good. In terms of right now, the identity of this club, there's very little senior players. There's no real identity. The fact that they're playing 3-5-2, which really is dependent on Reese James being there, and he's injured. Mm-hmm. The fact that Nicholas Jackson showing all the promise in the world, but really is not that guy yet. Caicedo and Enzo have not found their form yet. Enzo being pushed further up the pitch isn't working for him in the way that they probably thought that it would. How many bright spots are in this team? And of the ones that are, how many of them did they actually go out and buy? Like, realistically, Enzo most of the time plays pretty well. Levi Caldwell, outstanding. Can't criticize him. Raheem Caicedo hasn't hit the, the ground right. running. Pretty good. Caicedo has not hit the ground running. Still no plan for Mudrik. You look at they just spent 45 mil on Cole Palmer. They don't play why? with wingers, bro. No, like, why? seriously, why? Literally. Why did you make that wingers. move? So, I think Chelsea, while they did add quality and quantity... There's still no plan for how any of these players are expected to succeed. Not to mention, the what what does Pochettino's career look like after the stretch that Chelsea are about to go on of some really, really tough games? Because 
we would like to believe that there's no chance Pudge gets fired. And I will strongly say there's no way he gets sacked this season. But if there's one club in the world <laughs> that are probably <laughs> the most likely to make that happen, it's Chelsea. They're going to be like, well, this is bullshit. We spent all this money and we have this manager and we wanted to find this identity. We keep losing. What's the problem? I don't think there's no way he doesn't get sacked. I, I always think that's a possibility. If the results don't come in and they find themselves saying ninth, they're going to be like, there's no way we spent all that money for us to say ninth. So you got to go. No, I think they kind of have. There's to no like, way, man. There's like, I don't think they have expectations this season. I think that's kind of the, the only silver lining that saves them here is they could spend half a billion, but they're not expecting to succeed right away because you, there's no way that, I mean, I understand from the one perspective, Bully being like, I spent all this money. We need to see, well, I need to get back in the Champions League. I want to be able to market this club. On the other, I think that any reasonable footballing brain would go, yeah, but you didn't, like, this takes time. You can't buy time. Any all reasonable what? To get better. Footballing mind. I think the, therein lies the problem. Hmm, I see. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> <laughs> that is my exact argument. Any reasonable footballing mind would not have sacked Graham Potter because any reasonable footballing mind mm. would not have said Graham Potter is the problem here. But that's the thing. When it's, well, we certainly when it's can't that say chaotic, when it's that chaotic, it's I need to see results. And the problem yeah. is you've you've gone and spent 450 something million or whatever that number was. And you still don't, don't know how you're going to play. Yeah. There's, that's, I think that that's trouble. There's, there's no substitute for time. And I think eventually they will have to come to terms with the fact that they just need to give a manager time to figure it out. Like there will be no success until we've, until time has passed. That's literally all that they, they can argue, but that's a tough sell to a dude who's backing you in terms of quality and quantities. Like I've given you everything you've asked for. What more do you back. want? But but here's the thing, are, are, is he signing the players that he wants? Because if you ask Pochettino, did he really want Cole Palmer? Can you really justify that right. transfer for 35 million? What's 45. the point of this? What is the, what? 45. 45 million. There Even you go, add another 10 on that. What is the point of that sign? Because if you're just making that signing for, for money laundering, that that's way more understandable to right. me than trying to make that signing for football and reasons, because it's not how they play. It's not how Pochettino looks like he wants to play. And mm. for Cole Palmer, he's going in, in the most, in the biggest squad in the world where he knows he's not going to win trophies most likely. Mm. And for what, for game time, can't guarantee that trophies can't right. guarantee that money. You can guarantee. Yeah. But you have no idea what you're going to do. Yep. I think you're exactly right. And I think this is why I was able to put them so low on the list. Because, again, like we could say it over and over again. Quality, yeah, quality and, and quantity there, is everything you would want. Yeah. But there's no substitute for time. And if this project does not eventually find its feet. And by eventually, I mean like sooner rather than later, they're going to have yeah. some problems. And I would love to hear Joe's opinion on this. I'm sure we'll get him in at some point over the next couple of weeks and he'll be able to tell us exactly how he feels about this because listen, losing to Forrest, like you can't justify that. There's no, even if Chelsea were to finish ninth, but they're beating the teams in the bottom half of the table, you could still look at that and go, okay, we didn't beat Brighton. We didn't beat Newcastle. We didn't beat Villa and we didn't beat the top six. So we found ourselves here, but we can live with that because we beat every other team in the bottom half of the table, meaning we're, we're considerably better than them. This is our baseline. Next season, we climb up again with one more season of experience. Now you have wingers, Mudrick and Palmer, both of whom, no plan because they don't play with that, right? Chilwell's the most attacking left-sided player, and he's a left-back. He's not really supposed to yeah. be that high up. 
Then you have Malo Gusto, who's just clearly not filling the boots of Reese James. Not ready yet, apparently. The back three is exposed. They're, they're really trying hard to maintain some semblance of a Chelsea identity by letting Gallagher play. And he's done well. I can't fault him for that. But that's displacing Enzo. And Caicedo's not been great since his arrival. And I think that because of their price tags, eventually this pressure is going to start to weigh on them. And it, it's just not going very well for Chelsea. So I can't you know the silver lining, though? Won. Tell me. Because everybody's expensive, you don't have pressure to play one player over the other, except for Enzo and Caicedo, yeah. right? Like when when you have a, a shiny piece like Havertz or Mounts, you have to play them because because mm-hmm. they're they were extremely expensive, and you need to get them on the pitch. It's the same reason Anthony's been playing for that long. It's the same reason that Mudrik was playing last year because he was the hundred million pound player, right? Yeah. Or however much he cost. Now everybody's expensive, so you, you that kind of like takes a little bit of the pressure off. You know you have a billion pound squad. But the only two that you really have to play are Caicedo and, and Enzo. And that is the midfield that everybody wants to see anyway. Yeah. I so agree. I think it takes a pressure a little bit off Pochettino and, and lets him just play his team. And I think he's still looking for that. And he, he should be given the the time to, to find his team. We're only, what, three games in? And people yeah. are saying he hasn't found his best 11. Of course he hasn't found them his best 11. There's 700 players to pick from. Yeah, literally. Probably like, going think through of all the combinations. Mathematically, how many combinations of players yeah. are there to make in this team? There's there's Chat thousands. GPT this lineup. Like, there's no <laughs> yeah, other way you like, can do it. Like, no. if well, you're going to go through bro, like, brute force, you're not going to find it. The line of logic you presented there is exactly how I justified Axel DeSassi last week on the underrated yeah. transfers. Because I'm like, the fact that he went for 45 is kind of going under the radar whereas 45 for a center back normally would be like okay that's pretty decent like what's he got instead you're like oh they spent probably 300 plus million on three players in yeah. the squad so we're really not looking at the saucy in terms of the same the same pressure i think you could make a case for chelsea having done everything they possibly could to succeed and therefore had they they win the window but there's no substitute for time. And I don't think they're going to be able to jump the line in terms of getting these players more seniority, more experience or anything else that will come with time. I hope for their sake that Pochettino is not fired in that time because he can't figure it out fast enough because you're right. It's only been three games. There will be bumps. There will be hiccups. We've seen bright spells. We've seen dark times. It has to progress. It will come. It will progress because they've done everything they possibly could. There's really not much more they could do. Right. Uh, Moving up to number six. I put Liverpool. Mm. Sneaky window. A sneaky good window. And I put, and you know, we when do we ever praise Liverpool on this podcast? Never. This is not the show for that. However, we do rebuilds here. And the one area on the pitch that we would have said Liverpool need a rebuild is not in their front lines, not in their defense. They really just needed to completely revamp their midfield because it was lost last season. Like they yeah. lost a lot because of how their midfield was. Now, what helped them is that Fabinho was purchased by a Saudi club. Jordan Henderson was purchased by a Saudi club. And James Milner left to go to Brighton because he's, he's very, very old. And Naby Keita also left and, and so on and so forth. So a lot of the midfielders who they had are not there anymore. So they literally had no choice but to go get new midfielders. Yep. They got Soba's life for 70. McAllister for about 40. Wutaru Endo for 18, which is actually a sneaky good pickup. And then Ryan Gravenberch on deadline day for 40. Meaning they signed four midfielders for their, you know, club for the future. Completely rebuilt it. All of whom are young. They're, they're exciting, right? At least three of, the, of those four are. Who are going to turn into great players for the next generation. They spent $170 million on those four players. 
they were able to raise 58 million approximately from the departure of some of their players, meaning their net spend was just over 100, 112. Yeah. That's actually not a bad bit of business at all. I, right? I Considering they were going to spend 100 something million on Kaiseido, and then that went away and they were able to get Gravenberch and Endo for basically half the price of what Chelsea paid for it. And they were able to get two players to combine with the fact that McAllister's already prem proven and Soboslai has one of the best right foots in all of the world of football. What a hell of a goal today. Banger. Yeah. Like, they did a really good job here. I, I can't really fault them. I know that they missed out on the Chuamenis and the Caicedos and the Bellingham, which is like Lavias. the big midfield. The, Lavia, fine. The players that they wanted to spend... But I said the, the previous three because it's like those are their superstar. This is our guy in midfield. This is the, the, the person that takes us to the next level. And they missed a lot of those targets. But I think that actually kind of helped them because they were able to get some good pickups, not of whom were like super, super cheap, but all of whom will fix pretty much all of their midfield concerns because who, who else do they have to go sign now? That's pretty good. It's pretty well yeah. done. They completely, they, they brought the average age of their midfielders down by like 10 years. <laughs> all of these guys have ceilings that we haven't seen yet. They're all going to get better. They're all going to play together. And it was all done at once. Pro. That. Con. They don't have experience playing together. So I guess they still have to figure it out. You know, which, whichever way you want to go with it. I think that they mer- and they only spent about $100 million to get it done. I think that it actually kind of deserves a shout in being having won the market. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad to completely rebuild your midfield. And and everybody said it was going to be impossible given the prices of midfielders this year. Yeah. But they completely, they did. They completely rebuilt their midfield, shipped out everyone else. And, and Fabinho got a Rolex from a fan in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, and they totally did it. Like I still, I want to look into the McAllister for 35 million pounds move because yeah. that there's something going on there. There's no, yeah. there's no way. Brighton would not have sold him for 35 million to anyone else. So I, right. I need someone, Probably. I need the authorities to look into that. Yeah. Just send one of the two lawyers that are that are looking into city's charges and just just go look at that charge, <laughs> see what happened. Because it's a waste of resources otherwise. Um, exactly. And honestly, uh, we like Slobos on this show. We don't know how it's going to work out. And and like you said, there might be some chemistry problems because when you completely rebuild your team in one window, it is a risk. but they should be able to figure it out like on paper at least they sign players that yeah. can that can fit together um and if it works 100 if it doesn't work you can you still have enough cash to go out and, and spend someone that can fix your problem once you've identified it right and ultimately where does this end up well let's see what's liverpool's objective for this season are they going back to trying to compete for champions league are they going back to trying to compete for premier leagues I honestly don't know what the Liverpool objective is for this season. I would imagine bare minimum is top four. I think top, top four, four side with this? the Champions League because I think if if you're looking strong and if you're on form, you look at that Champions League draw and you're like, I can do this. If right. you get put on a decent side of the bracket, you're like, I can get pretty far. It's just about where I meet City along the way, right? You remember when it was Real right. Madrid and it's like, yeah. I can get there as long as I don't meet Real Madrid early on. I think Liverpool will be looking at the Champions League, licking their lips and going like, let's let's try to see how far we can get here and get yeah. top four. Because like they are a little light. The fact that they have just basically four senior midfielders, I yeah. understand Curtis Jones or whatever else. They have some other kids who, who are going to come up or what's his name? Uh, Bahitic, I'm sure. Like good young players who are going to grow into the role. They're young. They're a little thin. But 
there's something to be said about that. They're they're just it's crisp, it's sharp. It's like, yeah, yeah. we got we just got what we needed from this market. We went and got four midfielders, we spent about a hundred mil. That's good business. They didn't have to Don't go sign 14, 14 players and then blow up the size of their squad. And people are trying to look for uh, you know, who's gonna play and who's the future and who's now their quality, they're ready to play. And I think that to be honest, having done what they did, they will be able to meet their objectives, which is minimum top four and a deep run into the Champions League. I could very, very easily see Liverpool achieving that. Highly depends on if Salah ends up going to, to Saudi Arabia. Because yeah, Saudi Arabian window is not closed yet. I think that's open for another week or Klopp's, two. I'm going to take Klopp's word on it. I think that Liverpool will not sell. I, listen, there comes a point where it's silly to not sell. If you get 200 yeah. mil for a, th- for a 31-year-old, you're, you're dumb for not taking it. But it's, it's your best player. And it's your best player, you and the window's done. Out the window. You're, you're kind of screwed if you do that. There's I know. no one That's to replace him, and you definitely shoot yourself in the foot if you get rid of him for that. Well, I'll tell you something that's going to really, really upset me, and I'm not suggesting – I am kind of suggesting this could happen because I thought about this the other day. Liverpool have been quasi-linked with killing Mbappe for a long time, and that, that ah, can't happen. No. If it. that fund pays for Mbappe because they're able to just get them in it's January, they're like, we'll give you 200 mil for Mbappe – I'll kill myself. <laughs> that, I'll, I'll be like, well, this is Man. just the worst. But for Liverpool, right? Because you look at them, you go, the last time they had a huge influx of money, they bought Van Dyke and Allison. Yeah. I don't want to see what they're going to spend 200 million on yeah. if that comes in. The, genuinely, that will terrify me because I'm left wondering, oh my God, are they going to go get Mbappe? Don't, please don't go get Mbappe. Like Mbappe, you don't have go to go to Mbappe. Madrid. Don't go get Mbappe. Uh, if they get 200 million, bro. If he wants to compete with Holland, it would make it sense. It seems to be more in the possible. I know. I don't like uh, it. Get out don't want now. it. Don't do it. Speaking don't do it. Mbappe. Chelsea, buy him for 400. I'm going <laughs> to loan him out to Real Madrid. I'm going to talk about Mbappe because the next club at number five is PSG. PSG had a good window. Like PSG did great business this window. And yes, they spent more than pretty much every other club when you look at their net spend. However, PSG don't care about money. That was the best and delivery so, for however that I've ever heard you get. <laughs> I think that's important. <laughs> however, do PSG care if they spend 220 odd million in no, the window? No. And that's, the, that's the loss they take? They don't Does care. Not. Do you know why, bro? They kept Mbappe. And hopefully they can keep keeping Mbappe because when they lose him, they're, they're going to be real, real tough for them. Let's talk about the business that they did. They lost Neymar and Messi. Those are the biggest departures. Neymar, of course, was for about 90 million to Saudi Arabia. Messi was for free. But to be honest, both of those had merits for why that shouldn't continue anymore. They, they were looking. Luis Campos was like, I need to build this side in my image. I know what I want to do with them. I got to replace two of the greatest players of all time with young quality who can still have stars, Listen turn up. them into superstars. We talked about Gonzalo Ramos going last week, right? They yeah. did more business after that, bro. When we did our PSG rebuild, we got rid of both players anyway. So like, we're on we're the same it. page as far as we're concerned. Yeah, we nailed it. No, but I mean, yeah. what else is new? Of course we nailed it. What, what else? Why wouldn't we? Let's go through it. You just Sometimes what, you have to remind people. We do have to remind people. You're exactly right. <laughs> they sold Vinaldum to Saudi Arabia for $10 million. Renato Sanchez loan. I, I'm excited to see what happens with that after next season. But for now, it's yeah. just get them off the books for now. Uh, Juan Bernat, they loaned to Benfica. Paredes, they sold. Uh, Abdou Diallo, they sold for $15 mil. Neymar for about 90 Icardi for 10 Then Bichabu yeah, for 15 right, right? Yep, Messi left for free, and then they sold uh, a right back in May for about six and a half million. So they raised about 150 million in sales. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. 
they spent 379 million though <laughs> on, on arrivals. So their Unless net spend was about negative yeah. 230. But here's what they brought in. Randall Colo Muani. Yep. Who Eintracht said at the beginning of the window, it is impossible for Muani to leave. Zero chance. The only way we're gonna let him leave is if we receive a ridiculous offer. 90 million or more. That's the price tag. You want him, come get him. Otherwise, no chance. Didn't they get them for like and, 95? On the last day, because <laughs> you're like, we'll give you 95. He's like, sick, I'm in. <laughs> so it happened. He forced his way through. They went and got Colomani for about between 90, 95, somewhere in that range. Uh, Bradley Barcola, exciting, so damn good from Lyon, who they got for 45 million. Uspani Dembele, 50 million yep. from Barca. Gonzalo Ramos, we talked about him last week. 65 million plus 15 in add-ons. I didn't include the add-ons, but that's an obligation. So minimum 65. They also signed Lucas Hernandez for 47 million. Kangin Lee for 22 million. Manuel Lugarte for 60. Asensio for free. Skriniar for free. And most importantly, they kept Mbappe. Yep. That's a big deal. Skriniar for free is important because they also got rid of Sergio Ramos. So right. it, you needed I, someone way, to fill that as a body. That's a good point. That's a good point. If they sold Mbappe, they probably would have broke even. <laughs> in, yeah. terms of, in terms of this <laughs> stuff. But they kept him and I think that they'll take that trade. Let's go through, if you're pitching a project to Kylian Mbappe, because it's really, it's about him. We think that he will go to Madrid next season for free. It's been that way. We've been saying that for a long time, though. That's probably what's going to happen. However, if you are pitching a project to Kylian Mbappe, you say, yo, we want you to stay at PSG by any means necessary. How can we make that happen? And Kylian Mbappe goes, well, listen, as you guys know, I'm more of a winger. I like the space out wide because I like to run into it and attack people. I really want to play off of a good striker, not one who's a thousand years old, but somebody young, another star who can help me carry this brand. But I want to be the face of it. I don't want to have to share GOAT discussions and everything else. I want to be the guy, but I want to have good young teammates around me. They went, okay, sick, we'll do it. So Colo Muani, they got his, his French international teammate, who, by the way, is going to be a perfect striker for yeah. Mbappe to play off of. You know who also is a, is a perfect striker for Mbappe to play off of? It's all Ramos. So they got two. Two fantastic strikers, and they can either alternate them in a 4-3-3. They can sub them at halftime. They can make one game. You're going to play one game. I'm going to play. Because neither of them have, I would argue, more of a stake than the other for why they should be the starting number nine. Maybe Colomani does because he's French. And for that reason, he could say, well, listen, like <laughs> I'm already French. I'm in Paris. I'm with my, my international team in Mbappe. Let's make this the, France's next starting lineup. And, bro, to be honest, bro, if your front three is Mbappe, Colomani, and Dembele, well, that's France's starting lineup, and France can win up anytime they want. So totally. that's damn good. And you look at, okay, well, alternatively, who are they going to mix in there? Portugal's next number nine, which is Gonzalo Ramos. And who? Bradley Barcola, who, by the way, is going to get French international call-ups because he's also a sick winger. So you don't actually lose that much when you alternate it. And on the odd game that you give Killian off, you say, okay, Killian. We're going to take you out of here. Who are you going to put in? You could put in Asensio if you wanted to. Put him through the middle. Put him off the wing. You could put in Kang and Lee. Who you we move saw very, very to the right. Move Dembele around. Whatever you want. They have so many options that they blew up the strike force. They were like, okay, we're losing two of the best of all time. Reload. Let's add youth, quality, and put them in. And they spent a lot of money. And I think that's important because for them, it doesn't really matter. But in the grand scheme of things, we're saying who won the window. The fact that they spent everything, really, they spent a lot of money, and that will, maybe not right now, punish them. If Mbappe walks, they're screwed. <laughs> they're not going to be able to true. spend like this, right? Like, if he leaves for free, you can't take hits on 250 mil every, every single window, right? 
the business that they did from a functionality standpoint, go get Ugarte and put him in that midfield next to Vitinha, next to Zaire Emery. Midfield sorted. The fact they got Lucas Hernandez and Skriniar in the same window. Like, by the way, Marquinhos, Kimpembe, we have them all here. Hakimi, they're all here anyway, by the way. This is the team. Defense sorted. So what were they really lacking? We got to find this new wave attacking lineup for us. Well, no problem. We're going to have the best player in the world to build around, which they do. And then we're going to put young stars who we can turn into superstars all around them, most of whom are French and the other ones are internationals to build this brand up. PSG doing great business, spending a fortune to do it, but I would argue still better than what Chelsea did. Yeah, because they have a defined approach that they want to actually go and, right. and take and their squad is not as as massive. And the problem, like we They're said with established. Chelsea, is that it's so different. Every player can be very different and, and you can line up in whichever way you want. But with PSG, you have options that can rotate along a central system. Yeah. And for me, I think the only concern will be, like you said, if, is if they lose Mbappe on a free. What are that you going to do at that them. point? But I wonder there's a bit of time between now and then. Yeah, and optics-wise will be will be harsh. I don't know if PSG become favorites or even advance themselves in terms of the discussion for winning the Champions League. But you have a coach with the pedigree of Enrique with now young, exciting players. From a French perspective, Barcola, Dembele, Mbappe, Hernandez, yeah. Warren Zaire, Emery, Kimpembe, they have the Frenchness that I think the PSG ultras have demanded for a long time because like this we got all these players coming through the academy these are the players we want to see succeed with because they're going off and being superstars at other clubs so the fact that they have the internationals to maintain the brand but they still have a french maybe not spine but like heavily yeah. french influence in the team i think is super important and the mbappe departure can't be looked at for how good it was in this window because the fact of the matter is they kept the best player in the world in this window That's true. and they got a whole lot of other really really good ones to help them out as of number five, I think you can make a case that PSG won this window legitimately. However, as I mentioned before, I factored in a lot of things. How will it help them affect their goals and what was their spend, I think, is, is influential. I don't know if PSG will win the Champions League this year, even with all that being said. And ultimately, that's their objective. That's what they're trying to do. This seems like year one of a project that they're going to try to continue to build towards over the next couple of years, provided Mbappe stays. Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a real, real tough ask for them. You're going to have to restart. And it doesn't matter if they win the league. Because they, they that's what they expect to do anyway. That's their benchmark minimum is to win the league. Is this team probably on paper more functional and better than when they had Mbappe and Neymar and Messi on the team? I'd argue yes. Does it have less quality? Yeah, probably because you're losing two of the GOATs. But I don't think it'll harm them. I think that they will be better off for having made all these signings. So I like what they did. I Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. I think I'm excited to see what, what this is going to be like. Because like you said, I think it is a, a year one in a project approach. And mm. we don't know how that's going to work out in the Champions League. Because right. so far, we've seen it twice now. Or multiple times, even more than that. Where we looked at the names on the team sheet and we were like, well, you have to go win it now. Yeah. This year, because the project is so young and because the players that they added were youthful players, maybe with not the most experienced Mbappe aside, you have no idea how that's going to materialize on the pitch, but it yeah. is exciting. It's the first year that you can actually look in a, at PSG and you go, I don't know what I'm about to get here, but it, it's going to be exciting regardless because I think they're going to win the league, but it's it's an unknown quantity and what they can do on the pitch with these guys around, but I know it's dangerous. And it's just about if they can actually get them going um, all towards the same approach and, and pulling on the same strings. 
Right. Yeah, they didn't sign with the objective of having people say, damn, PSG are favorites to win the no. Champions League. They signed with the objective of saying, let's make this team a lot better. And then when it's a lot better, a couple of years down the line, once they continue to progress, maybe at that point we go, you know, PSG are good, which means PSG really this season, in a word, wild card. Let's see what happens. We it's, don't know what it's to expect. Weird. A bit of a wild it's card. weird yeah. that we we look at them as a wild card because if for the first year, they don't have the same expectation on them, right? Like exactly. I think maybe the expectation was was hindering them a little bit. But now mm-hmm. no one's looking at PSG going, well, you have to win the Champions League now. And I think that might be a good thing, good thing for them. I couldn't agree more. I think that that pressure off them will be a, a big, big, big pro for them. And to be honest, it, I might say this every year, but I think I mean it more this year than I have in years past. I'm really excited to see what PSG do this season, more so Me than too. in other seasons. Yeah. Seasons past, I was like, oh my God, I'm excited. They're going to kill everybody because they have the best players ever. Now it's like, no, they just... Wait's been looked Actually, sure. like it's a Luis Campos yeah. side. It's like a, an A-list Luis Campos side where these are. this is meant to be the final destination for a lot of these players. Mm-hmm. Let's see how they evolve. Like, that's cool for me. And as we move up, I, I factored in spend a little bit into these ones because I think if you're able to do really, really good business and hit the same objectives, but having spent either spent significantly less or somehow even profited, it's really important. You might not expect this club to be this high, but I think Barcelona deserve a shout for number four on who won the transfer window. And the reason is because of what they were able to get done on deadline day. Because prior to that, I wouldn't have said this. On deadline day, they secured the loans, or free, yep. of Joao Cancelo and Joao Felix. Yep. Joao Felix, do you want to know how much he's going to earn at Barca this year? How much? It makes me sick to my stomach. Do you want to hear? How much is, how much is he actually going to earn? He's going to earn 400k a year. What? Bro took the biggest pay cut of anybody, because Joel Felix was like, I have to make this happen. If I can't make this happen, I'm not going to play for Atleti. I'm going to have to go to Saudi Arabia. So he had the choice to make probably 15 mil a year in Saudi no. Arabia or make no money. 400K. No. They're academy players. 400K who made that. a year? For Joel Felix, one of the biggest prospects in world football, 400K a year. That's what Joel Bro Felix is going to make. I'm not having any income this year because yeah. for him, that's, that's yeah. going to pay his that's expenses that. for like six weeks. Oh, yeah. Easy. No, he's like literally like I will live poor, and we joke about that. Like 400k years, obviously, crap load of money. But for pro athletes, it's not. No, he's there making, making no 400k income this a week, year, guys. Yeah, I mean, this is nothing. For advertisements him. aside, like his agent's right, about right, right. to go on a madness booking him all the oh, all the ads he can do. Yeah, don't follow him on Instagram. You're gonna see him for like uh, <laughs> telephone ads and gum ads and smoking Bro's about ads to be a and commercials. Streamer yeah, exactly. He's gonna have to make this money up. The fact that they were able to get these players, and when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, they got Joao Felix for basically free and Joao Cancelo for basically free because they were supposed to have a buy obligation, but they couldn't fit it in with FFP. They also, uh, Inigo Martinez for free, Ilkay Gundogan for free, Romeo, which only costs $5 million, yeah. which you think, okay, well, that's not Blockbuster. Done a really good job in his time there so far. And then really, the only thing they spent money on was... Brazilian prospect Vitor Roque, who's only going to come in January. We can't assess that yet, but that's what they spent money on. So they spent 40 million, 35 of which was on the Brazilian prospect who's not coming this window. Okay. Okay. Outs. Abdi, who goes by Abdi because he has the most Moroccan name of all time. And it's very, oh, very, very, very long. Izal Zuli is his last name. He went to Betis for uh, 7.5 mil. And Sufati, they loaned out. We're going to talk about that. Dambelli, 50 mil they lost. Uh, Frank Kessie, 
12 mil. Nico Gonzalez, eight and a half. Imtiti, they got off the books finally. Jordi Alba moved on. Busquets moved on. Trincao, they sold for seven. So all in all, they raised 85 million, meaning they were able to profit about 45 million this window. That's huge for Barca wow. to add leaders in their squad like Ilkay Gundogan in particular, because that man's a captain, will help balance out what their midfield needs to do. And they go out and get Felix and Cancelo, which fills two of their biggest needs on either end of the pitch for free. I don't know if Barca are, are I, I don't think they're favorites to win the Champions League. I, I, I would like to see how they're going to actually compete in the Champions League this year. I'd like However, to see how they're going to defend the title. They're significantly better. Exactly. They're significantly better than with if these players hadn't arrived because they added a little bit of experience to the other, other side because their best players were very, very, very young. Yeah. And the fact that all these players are willing to basically play for next to no money because of how much the shirt means to them, it, I don't know if that helps or harms the reputation of Barca. I think it shows how much pull they have, but you can make a case saying that, you know, they you know, they're okay with paying their players nothing. Remember when they paid Danny Alves like a dollar a year or something like that to yeah. keep him on the books when Danny Alves went, I'm going to go there. PK, I guess that means... Pique forgot his wages. Like, right. I guess that means they're the most desirable club in the entire world to go play for because people do it for free. But at the other end, it's like Barca. Can you please just pay your guys? Like you have no money. They were able to get Felix, Cancelo, Gundogan for free. These are just unpaid And profit 45 man. million. Exactly. And profit 45 million. I think that's outstanding business from Barca and they need yeah. it because Jude Bellingham's on a thirst for a league title. He's never won before. And he's That's like, I'm, I'm coming, bro. I'm not only hungry, I'm thirsty too. I want all of it. Put it in me. Pause. <laughs> and not to mention the Champions League. <laughs> Let's see wild. what happens. <laughs> Came out right. Let's see what happens with Barca in the league this year. Four, because they profited and they got a hell of a lot better. Did you find that yeah. kid's name, by the way? Uh, yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? I did. Zalzuli. Yeah. And for those Abusanda who speak Arabic, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, like, and I don't even mean from too many point Zs. making fun you, of his Imagine name. having three Zs in your name. That's ridiculous. Like, how long that actually takes to say. That's three why he goes Z by Abdi. Actually, four Zs in your name. Ridiculous. It's crazy. That's I don't know. I, I can't count. Absolutely too much. Anyway. Good for him. But so I, he, think, he, I think what Barca did this year is that they actually got money for their sellable assets, right? Like, they got Frank, money for Frank Kessie and Dembele. They get to keep Frankie de Jong because we know that that was their pretty much only sellable asset last year, and right. they they managed to keep him. But um, yeah. the, they, I think they balanced the books out a little bit, and God knows they need it. It's not that they're going to go exactly. actually use that money wisely. They're still going to go out and spend it, but <laughs> God knows they needed to clear off the wages. Yeah, no kidding. And I think they did that even with like they lost big players like losing Alba and Busquets is losing captains yeah. in your side. That's a big deal. But they signed players who are over 30 largely. And I think that they did that intentionally, not for long term, but to be like, we need to add we some seniority to this, this team, team yeah. because we can't have Pedri and De Jong and Gavi be the leaders in the squad. They're 17 years old. It doesn't work that way, right? Good business by Barca into number four, but moving up to number three, I put Bayern. Yeah. Oh, wait, we didn't touch on the Fati loan. The Fati loan is only... I'll just say this about it. Ansu Fati was given Barca's number 10 post-Messi because of the fate they had in him. Once he tore his knee, he was never the same. I think sending him to probably arguably the most exciting project in Europe to get his form back and then bringing back Ansu Fati to your team, hopefully having just picked up dribbling lessons from Karu Matoma, 
<laughs> Arsenal are going to get an app. They're like, yeah, you can rent our player because he's he's just not the guy who he once was. Go ahead, Deserby. You coach him. Okay, Matoma, you teach him how to dribble again and then send him back to us when he's ready to start playing real football. And when he does, bro, they're going to cook. They're going to be freaking... They're probably going to sign Ansu Fati and Matoma. Probably just going to take both of them oh, off no. their hands. <laughs> Disrespect. And oh, then Deserby takes over from Chavi. No, bro. You have to remember, Kaoru Matoma has a university degree. He ain't playing for 400k yep. a year. Kaoru yep. Matoma is going to come and say, I want the bag. And he deserves it because he's freaking awesome. Let's go to number three. Bayern. Did you know Bayern profited this window? No way. Let me say this again, bro. Bayern bought Harry Kane and Kim Min Jae for a combined 170 million, and they profited. Who did they this sell window. other than Sadio Mane to Saudi Arabia? Isn't that a great question? So they brought in uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv's keeper to be, I guess, Neuer's backup. I guess interim for now until Neuer gets back, but largely that's that was why, what they were able to do. Is he Jewish? Kane 120. Is that why Mane left? Mane was like, I'm not doing this. I honestly have no idea what the cause was. I think that this Israeli? was not directly the cause. I think he is Israeli, yeah. Uh, the, the money was like, fuck that. I'm going to go to Saudi but, Arabia. But I could be totally <laughs> wrong. Maybe I'm just wrong because he came from, a, from an Israeli team. But they picked him up for $5 million, okay? Kane, $120 million. Kim and Jay, 50 Then they signed Rafa Guerrero on a free. Conrad Limer on a free. And the Palina deal collapsed. So in theory, if that went through, right. they would have they would have spent a lot. But they didn't. By the way, they don't need him. Okay, they have Limer, Kimmich. That's just they have, uh Goretzka. Like, bro, figure it out. Okay, you're yeah. fine. They sold Gravenberch for double what they paid for oh, a yeah. year later, having never, you know, played, never played 90 minutes. They just were like, oh, cool, we'll sign, we'll sell them for double. Pavard, 30 mil. Yad Summer, 6 yeah. mil. Sadio Mane, 37. Sabitzer, 19. And Lucas Hernandez for 47. Meaning Ooh. they raised 180 million and they spent 175. Wow. Tell me if Bayern doesn't know how to do good business, bro. No, they spent everybody knows Bayern's machine. 175 million in total. Man, where they got the best defender in the world, arguably last season, the best center forward in the world, arguably last season, and they made a profit. Yeah. Okay. I know you didn't just say Kane's one is the best center forward last year, but arguably, arguably. Yeah. There are people who yeah. make that argument. Second to Holland, for sure. Yeah, second to Holland. But I mean, people people said. Kane getting 30 in the Spurs side is more impressive than yeah, Holland's yeah. 36 in City's team. I, I think Holland was obviously Holland was the best. He's going to win the Ballon d'Or. He needs to. But you could make a strong case that ability-wise, contribution-wise, look at what Kane did last season. That's Kane true. was arguably the best yeah. forward in the world last season. And I think you can make a legitimate claim for that. You won't win because Holland's going to win all the, all the accolades because City won the treble and everything. But what Kane did was nothing. Well, Kane did was super impressive. Season. To be honest, Ridiculous. yeah, I, I do think that that like it is probably more impressive or more difficult task to score thirty goals for how shit right. Spurs were last season. Yeah, than to than to just bang in the goals for thirty six. Right. Not not to say that that was an easy feat, but it just thirty goals for for Spurs was definitely it's incredible. Right. So he has a legitimate yeah. claim for that. They signed arguably the best striker and arguably yeah. the best defender on earth, wow. and they profited. That's so wild. Only Byron. That's such it, a good. Only Byron could do that. And here's I, I I only didn't put them higher because there are still two clubs above them. I only didn't put them higher because I wonder how much these departures will hurt them. Like they were able to fundraise a lot of money, yeah. but you lost Pavard, who's a one of the world's best ball playing center backs. You lost Hernandez, who's I would argue the same thing, right? In terms of cover, in terms of being a center and his versatility as a defender as a left back. You you sold them for seventy seven million, crazy. 
Okay. But you did lose a lot in those two players to have lost them, right? The fact that Gravenberch won't be a massive injury for the obviously they, they didn't have the plan. So that's that not a big loss. But they're losing another body in midfield, nonetheless. Right. And then uh, Jan Sommer, because Neuer's still not fit. So you're really putting the faith in Ulreich. Yeah. Neuer, when he comes back from his leg break, or, or this kid who they just signed, at least Jan Sommer had, had a little bit of pedigree. Sadio Mane was not given a fair shot. I'll say that till the day I die. He absolutely could have done way better things, but it just wasn't to be. That's, football's about timing as much as anything else, and it didn't work out for Sadio Mane, so it didn't work out. Sabitzer, they, they, he was on loan last season anyway. They sold him for $20 million. I think they bought him for about that anyway. Maybe yeah. They might even got him for less. Good business. Yeah, totally. I think the biggest thing for Bayern was to fix the the gaping hole, Lewandowski's like shape hole in the in the exactly. attack, right? And I think they did that. It and as to, long yeah. as you address that, then you're, I don't even think that that they needed to address their defense. But to get in Kim and Jay was 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 a steal for them because they only activated his release clause for forty five million. So that's perfect business. So even if they didn't need a center back, and I think they did, obviously with with Upa Meccano, yeah. Um, and the season that he had last year, solidifying that defense with Kim and Jay's is brilliant. But the biggest gap in their in their eleven was by far their striker, and 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 Kane fixes that every yeah, day. Like Chupo Moteng did good when he came in because he did his his best within his abilities. But Bayern Munich had the line led for most of last season by Eric Maxim Chupo Moteng. Now yeah. it's led by Harry Kane, bro. Not to mention that their goal threat last year was Jamal Musial. Right, right. He was the guy that they relied on, and now, now you just you know that Kane's going to score on on German ground. Like in terms of just plopping Kane into it, the the pieces around him is as though they built for Harry Kane. They they had it perfectly set up for him to succeed, and I think he will succeed. And the fact that they profited is just ridiculous. But uh, I want to move on to number two, who technically spent more, but I I think you could make a case that this is the best bit of business that anybody could have done. I know I said that for all of them, but I mean it. The more the more that it goes up, the more I mean it. I'm turning up the, the percentages by 10% each time. Man City. Okay. Okay. Because I don't think people realize what City's net spend was. And I think it's you're going to be incredibly impressed. City bought Jeremy Doku for 60 million, right? A winger that we needed because we lost Mares and, and we sold Palmer, right? Yep. And not to mention, his profile is different than what we have. City haven't had like an explosive, electric, like 99 pace kind of winger since Sané, right? And that was years ago. So we really, because Grealish isn't that fast. Great carrier, but he's not blistering. Foden has great acceleration, but he's not like, oh my God, Foden's on the run. We got to play it to him. Doku is. He's explosive and athletic and very, very, very fast. Vardyal, one of the best young center backs in the world, bought for 90. Kovacic for 28, as we discussed last week. And Mateusz Nunez for, for 62. Okay. So we spent 240 on those four players, which you go, okay, whoa, that's a lot of money. Why do City need to make transfers like this, Mina? As much as anything else, it's not just because they've lost players in the team. And we'll get to that. Like, obviously, you know, Mar is leaving and Palmer leaving and COVID Gundogan. And, uh, and Gundogan leaving means you have to have players to replace those positions. The other thing is when you've just won a treble, you have to reignite the squad. You have to yeah. reinvigorate it. What are we playing for? Because once you've won everything there is to win, there is that question. Where does the hunger go? What are you trying to do this season? The answer is you bring in really, really good players who haven't won those things yet, who are going to try to motivate the players around them because that's what they're playing for now. 
Yeah. Right. So let's say Holland has the ultimate killer mentality and he's still hungry because he's like, no, I want to win triples every year. Right. I want to win a thousand goals. Saudi Arabia couldn't pay me enough money to go there because I need to just conquer Europe. Not everybody's going to be Erling Holland. There will be players who will become lethargic because they've won everything there is to win. So the fact that City revamped their squad with quality and brought in players in anticipation of having more games and players who could play the right roles and players when we have to make five subs a game or when we're playing uh, you know, 10 more games than anybody else, five more games than anybody else, these players will get minutes and we're not going to burn through the squad. It's important for City to do that because we have quality and quantity, but only to like 15, 16 players, right? After that, you still have some academy players on our bench who we have every game. Who did we sell, Mina? Cole Palmer, Cole Palmer 45. 45. <laughs> Crazy, right? Cole yeah. Palmer for 45. Laporte for 28. Mares for 34. Tommy Doyle went the other way in the Nunes deal for about five mil. So really our net spend yeah. for that was less, right? Uh, Carlos Borges was an, such a good academy player. I really Ooh. wanted him to get a run in the first team, but he didn't. We sold him to Ajax for, it's it's somewhere between the 15 to 19 range. I've dubbed yeah. it 17 just to go in the middle because it's somewhere within that, that range. Uh, then about three and a half million through other unnamed academy players who you won't know. James Trafford, who we talked about last week for 17. Yanhel Herrera for 10 million. Shea Charles for 12. And an extra 12 million from Romeo Lavia's sale to Chelsea, meaning we raised 184 million. Yep. Our net spend was 56 million. Yeah, I think I think what City does well is they capitalize on on their success by selling the players that they don't necessarily need for big money, right? Like not everybody it can can do that. And I think Chelsea was 100%. was a big team that was doing that um recently when they were still successful. Mm -hmm. So I think this Chelsea model of of just selling your young players for big money that that nobody else can do is is something that I that I really do respect about what what City is capable of doing, right? Like nobody else can can sell Cole Palmer for forty five million, but that's because how successful the club is at the moment. So right. it's because in the two games have he to played, capitalize on that. scored in the UEFA Super Cup, exactly. And then the thing, like he, he had such good exposure in the minutes that he got. When you look at the fact that, like, I didn't want to sell Cole Palmer. I really liked him. I thought he was going to get a good run in the team. He paid for seventy percent of the Doku transfer. Right. No, you have to sell your sellable assets. Sometimes like, you're just going to have to do that. Exactly. And I think people will look at it and say, wow, City are treble winners, like the greed in football. Look at who they signed. They signed four more players. You know, they have, uh, they spent 240 mil. You're right. But we also sold, I think, triple the amount of players for 184 million, meaning our net spent, yep. treble winning Man City only spent, in quotes, 56 million this window. And the you look at the players who they brought in, that's yeah, ridiculously yeah. good business. And to be honest, the fact that city standards are so high, I think is why I had to put them at basically number one here. Number two, I know, because I'll get to number one in a second. But nobody really had a better window than this. Like the fact that they were able to spend so little net and add the quality that they did, nobody could have done better than that because what city's objective is to continue to be better than everybody else. And I think they've probably managed to continue to do that, right? Yeah, and I think it's it, you're measuring on a different scale here because other teams have improved their eleven more than City have. Yeah, but right, City not not every other team has just won a trouble, right? So no, and City's eleven, 11 is so much better than everybody else. Exactly, else's like it's not yeah. gonna it's not gonna make the eleven that much better. Like uh, unless right. you sign Kylian Mbappe and put him on right wing, yeah, 
exactly. defeat Erling Holland, it's not going to get much better because it's already right. so good. Where yep. other teams, for example, like Bayern, can improve their team by plopping mm-hmm. in a Harry Kane in there and instantly revamp their system. Yeah, it's you can't say the same for City, but but City you already have the best team in the world. So exactly. it can't improve that much. It's going to be marginal improvements. Yeah. And I think the improvement comes in mentality rather than that, than, than anything on the pitch. And I think you're right. Mm. It's, it's about keeping that hunger alive and you can't do that with the same set of players. You have to change it. Every team yeah. that has had successful dynasties in the past has had to reshuffle the pack every year that they've had massive success and people can call it greed or whatever. And, and to a point they're right, right. You, you know, like the best team in the world is going to have to sign the best players in the world and and yeah. the best players want to play for the best team in the world. So mm-hmm. if you're successful, you you're going to use that money to sign bigger and better players every year. It's just, it comes with being successful. Right. So you have to do that. And and the best way to do it is to bring in players that are not necessarily winners, but are just on that precipice of breaking into the world-class mold so that you can keep them hungry and fighting third place. Exactly, bro. It's so well said. And like the, the fact that, it's so strategic when you lay it out the way they did. They're like, okay, yeah, we signed Vargel for 90, but we sold Laporte for 30. So we really only spent 60 on Vargel. Yeah. And that's below market value, right? You look at Doku, you go, yeah, but we really only spent 15 because we sold Cole Palmer for 45, right? You look at Kovacic, Kovacic had to replace the boots of Gundo who left for free. Shea Charles and Romeo Lavia, their joint sales of two academy players who never featured for Man City's first team paid for Kovacic. You're like, bro, it's, it feels like a hack. It, it's totally like it's stealing. And then Mateusz Nunes, fine. That's the $50 million that you basically spent uh, yeah. out of pocket. And by the way, that could have been Paqueta for 100 We also have to look at the fact that City didn't want to overspend for a lot of these targets because they're like, no, we're not going to pay you that. We're going to go get a player who we think is really, really good. And we're going to pay what we think is a fair market rate. And I think they did that because they would have got rinsed if they paid £90 million pounds for Paqueta. Yeah. And notice City doesn't make money, like big money on, on the biggest players that end up leaving, right? Like Gundogan went for mm. free. Mara's only yep. went for 36 million. The money yep. making is not by selling big ticket items in from your right. first 11. It's from selling multiple players. It's the same. Again, I keep going back to Chelsea or or other successful teams in the past, like Bayern or Real Madrid or whatever. Yeah, You're not going to get good value for money no. from or, or big, big sales from their first 11 because anybody that's leaving is going downhill from there. But the youth... Are still and they still have promise, and you can sell multiple of them for 10 15 million and end up yeah. making that money back. And that's that's what you guys do, yeah. And every once in a while, you get a Cole Palmer who goes for 45. Because before that, yeah. like our I think our biggest sales are Raheem Sterling to Chelsea for like 50 something and mm-hmm. Gabby to He's Arsenal for and, and 40 something, yeah. right? Like they're, they're we move those Zinchenko assets really Gabby well for like, like 90 million, so yeah, right, right. So we're selling these players for just yeah. cog in the machine, bro. So this begs the question, well, Nathan, who's number one? Right, because if, if this is the best value for money and they had so much you know quality injected into their side, who else is left? Can I take a guess? I would love for you to take a guess. Is it Arsenal? No, it isn't. Ooh, the, okay. the number one, who, if I asked you, Mina, generally, all things considered, answer any way you want, who won the transfer window? I know who I'm saying above anything else. And it's not a club. It's a nation. Saudi Arabia won the transfer window. Oh, come on now. (laughs) I have four teams here, Mina. No, no, no. Uh, Bro, let's talk about this for a second. Because let's think of what what happened. You're right, but I thought this was going to be limited to teams. 
I made everybody think that, bro. No way. I got four teams at number one because, but I've, yeah, I've yeah, clustered them. Yeah. I said, you know, one more than the other, but than the others. Saudi Arabia won the transfer. Deal. Why? Because Saudi Arabia became the disruptor that nobody saw coming. Nobody thought that Saudi Arabia was going to come in and basically tear up the market where really exciting players from all around Europe who were destined to go to other places and make Europe better didn't. They went to Saudi Arabia. Let's go through some names. I'm going to tell you four clubs. These four clubs in particular changed the game forever. Yeah. Al-Hilal, we got to start at the top, right? It's not even close. Mitrovic, 50 million. Bunu, 21 million. Neymar, 90. Malcolm, 60. Sergey Milinkovic Savage for 40. Koulibaly for 23. Rubenevs for 55. Al Hilal spent 340 million on players this window. That's unreal. Who did they sell, Nathan? How did they raise money? <laughs> Nobody. Zero. Not one name. All the departures, they didn't gross one penny. <laughs> In sales, they just went, we're just going to take this hit and we're going to go buy the play. But it wasn't just them. Al-Nassar, who signed, obviously, Ronaldo last season, said, okay, we got to obviously build this dude a team because apparently everybody else is going to start building around their clubs now. Laporte for almost 30. Otavio from Porto for 60 million. Sadio Mane, 37 million. Alex Tellis, 10 million. Seko Farfana for 19 million. And Marcelo Brozovic for 18 million. They spent 172 million. Uh, they went out and got some absolutely brilliant players. So broke. 172 million. <laughs> Just took the hit. No problem. Aletihad, Fabinho, Jota, Kante, Benzema. Combined, 74 million. Defending now, champions, salaries by are the another way. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Salaries are a different thing here. We're, we're not going to talk about salaries because salaries are another thing. Uh, Benzema and then alone. Al, Al, uh, Ali, who, by the way, I know, like, we're all, we're all very committed to, to Al-Hilal. Al-Ali, bro, did some business here that people might not know about, okay? Gabri Vega, 40 million. Gabri Vega, dude. Mary Demerol for 20. Roger Ibanez for 30. Frank Kessie for 12. Alan St. Maxima, 27. Riyad Mahrez for 34. Edward Mendy for 19. And Firmino for free. They spent 182. A nice front three. That's a good team, bro. No, the nice center backs, they got center backs. They got a midfield pivot of Kessie and Gabri Vega. They got a keeper. Yeah. Dude, that's a good squad right there. Low-key, low-key pretty nice. Low-key pretty freaking sick. Saudi Arabia won this market. Those four teams spent a total of approximately 767 million euros, which they've just given to Europe to take all these players. And that's still pending the three weeks that the Saudi market is still open. So this list can continue yep. to grow. Uh, and let the fuck could add could add Salah to that, by the way. Yes, they could, bro. Yeah, because because that's a team looking for him. I honestly don't think that another team could have merited the number one spot because it would have all been just part of the routine, part of the plan. Every season, yeah. clubs spend money. Clubs, some clubs make more than others. Some profit. Some lose huge players. Everything else. Saudi Arabia said we're going to spend a billion and we're going to go get some of the. Right now, they have, what, what's this, 20-something players-ish of the biggest stars in the world. In turn, this will result in broadcast deals. It will result in, our, in us going international. We're going to have kids, kids, walking around Mississauga, Ontario, wearing Al-Halid jerseys, Al-Halal jerseys, Al-Etihad jerseys, Al-Nassar jerseys. That's crazy, bro. Did you, the see, market, the, uh, did you see the video? Everywhere. Did you see the video that, of the kid with the Al-Halal 
kit and it was like it's not a project Mbappe thing no more fam it's <laughs> yeah I did see that <laughs> trying to get these kids Saudi to go Arabia play in Saudi project. to go secure this bag and I don't know what the long-term effect of what this will be on the market because realistically we thought it was going to destroy the Syria hey they gave the Syria 50 million in, in two defenders yeah hey, like, here's Syria let's give you a little bit of money let's go take all your players go buy something nice <laughs> go but yeah get yourself something nice on us I think that Saudi Arabia absolutely won this transfer market because they they were the ultimate disruptors. They now have broadcast deals. They now have international recognition. They're poaching stars and people care about what they're doing because for nothing else, even if they're heels, bro, they're, they're like, yo, I want to, like, bro, I like these players. I want to watch them play. I've watched money. the games already. It's exactly, bro, that cheddar cheese, that cha-ching. Saudi Arabia won the transfer window. And that's all I have to say on the matter, bro. You know what? I can't disagree with you. Especially now with Saudi Arabia going into the bricks and shit, like it's gonna be weird. Like I, I have no idea what this project is gonna is gonna look like in the future. I don't know what this means for the future of football, but I, I don't know. I, I seriously don't know. But I would like to bring up an honorable mention that I think oh. is also super important to to mention. I missed here. one. All right, tell me. I, I think so. I think so. And and it they didn't do some mad business. They didn't they didn't bring in a lot of people, but. But it's Inter Miami, right? Inter Miami. That was a hundred percent. Yep. Inter Miami Dude. had a really good transfer window here. Like we Why? can't we can't overlook. Let's play that. dumb. You know, an MLS team. Why? Yeah. Why? What did they do? Who, who did they sign? They finished last, which means they got the first pick of the draft of <laughs> Europeans' best talent, and they went out and got the best one they could, and they managed to sign a freaking goat who went to Publix for a PR stunt. It's Crazy. it's so wild that that Messi walked in, and and the MLS teams all pitched in to bring him into the league. Yeah. That that concept from someone that watches European football right. is so foreign Impossible to me. Like, to understand. what yeah. do you mean? What do you mean? It's like it's like someone trying to. It's like Liverpool trying to buy Mbappe, and then United City, Chelsea, and Spurs give him, and Arsenal give him money to do that. Is yeah. because it's gonna bring up the league. Fuck that. Right. No. No if way. anything, we'll spend money to watch Salah. Like we'll help Saudi Arabia move yeah. Salah over to there. Yep. It's it's so foreign to me that that all the leagues pitch in, or all the teams in the league pitch in. But that but it's because it's a closed it's a closed league, right? Like all the revenue mm-hmm. bumps up everybody else. And yep. he's like, listen, Apple, the amount of new subscribers that you're gonna get just because they're gonna want to watch me means that I'm not just getting every basically every some money out of every pe- people that come in to watch into Miami I'm gonna get money regardless like every new subscriber that gets to watch Apple TV because of my rival I'm getting that money and the PR mm-hmm. campaign that inter Miami and Adidas did in in Miami for his arrival was was unreal and I think that changes the what football means in North America and from can someone we, who watches it here is is insane can we do a live social experiment right now Mina and then we'll wrap we'll wrap on this I want you to go to the MLS official twitter account you just go pull that up and read their bio to me okay because i saw this okay. the other day i think that it's that it's important that uh that that's read on here and by the way this as as i fill time here is just <laughs> the even the more here. reason the goat place here mls that's their bio did you the see the one in in, in uh, mls espanol no it isn't la liga de leo that's that's it's all like, it says la, la liga, liga de, de leo. leo that's ex- there you go it is. And that's exactly what it is. Messi's league. That just... Ensu we'll close idioma. On What's Ensu idioma mean, Mr. Duel? In your Spanish. language. In your there language. There you go. So, Messi's league in your language. There it is. Yeah. 
That's exactly what it is. And this just oh. proves how bad TFC are. If Toronto FC were slightly worse, we would have got him. That, that's how I'm going to approach this. <laughs> We we were so bad that we're the team who was just just not good enough to, Toronto, to be above the Messi's worst. Not coming team. To Toronto. No, no, but you said they finished last and therefore they got the goat of the European football. That's <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. It's pretty much exactly what happened. TFC <laughs> are shit because they finished second last in that race. Meaning we just have to continue. They could shit only got now, Yeah, nothing. We have nothing now. Just, just we took John Herdman. So sorry, Canada. He's got to oh, that's propel true. TFC forward. We're ending on this, guys. Episode number 209 of the podcast is officially in the books. We love you and we thank you for listening each and every week. Guys, as always, I'll be your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. I'm with me. I had brethren. Brethren, so lovely chatting with you. Amazing to chat with you, too. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you guys next week right here on the Jersey Wall Podcast where we're going to predict everything That's going on. on. Yeah, eventually. We'll predict everything. Enjoy, guys. Take care.